What's the difference between working for a corporation or owning your own business? What the heck is personal branding? And how do you figure out your personal worth so you don't get jibbed on the job? Megan Gutterin, owner of Mag Events, shares her transitions from corporate world to entrepreneurship and why the right personal branding can help bring in the right clients. Welcome to Combos with the Collective. This episode contains explicit language. You're listening to Convos with the Collective, the Denver Women's Sports Collective podcast, where we feature stories, life lessons, and advice from women throughout sports, events, and marketing. This podcast was recorded at the DMVR studio in Denver, Colorado. Welcome, Megan. I just, for our listeners, we have both Megan and Lainey Hall here in preparation for our roundtable, and we are just dying here laughing in the studio because I think all of us are slightly nervous <laughs> because we're Definitely. scared of uh, saying something that might not be appropriate. So I apologize. full disclosure I'm- has been done at the beginning of this episode. So you have been warned not once, but now twice. And I apologize. Up front. <laughs> Megan, <laughs> thank you so much for coming and doing this podcast with me. You... Like in the in the opening, we've been really close friends for three to four years. Yeah, I know. You're looking at me like I'm supposed to know. <laughs> I don't know. You pick. You know, pick me up. Yeah. So well, you're I'm supposed not to remember. A good judge a character, but so <laughs> the thing that I have learned about you is that we have life experiences that kind of swapped. So you were in the corporate world and then you went to entrepreneurship, whereas I did it backwards and I went from ownership, entrepreneurship to corporate. So I know my reasons and I'll explain those here in a little bit, but why did you go from corporate to owning your own business? I don't like to be told what to do. I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's most people. That's pretty much it. No. Um, I mean, I've worked at a day job since I was, what, 15 and a half, you know, sacking groceries at the grocery store. And I was always one of those people that... I like to find the problem and then fix it. Mm -hmm. And I would argue, well, that's a lot of fun. And your bosses genuinely tend to enjoy that. Um, After a while, when they don't fix it, it starts to eat at your core a little bit because it's it's something you can see a solution to and making run better or more streamlined or be more successful. And you're just, you're disappointed. (laughs) And I think that's where I ran into a lot of disappointment in the corporate world is even when they were tasked me with, you know, hey, yeah, improve this thing, work on it. Um, you know, it wasn't taken seriously at the end of the day and, and it was, it would kind of hurt my feelings almost. I take it really personally. So I figure if I'm going to hurt anyone's feelings, it'll be my own and I'll go do it myself. Yeah. So yeah, I gave up on the corporate world after, you know, 20 years. And I think that that a lot of people, like you joked, and, and it's a very serious thing. People don't like being told what to do, but I there know. are some people, such example, like myself, like if I don't have the structure and the policies and procedures, and again, I think this just goes back to the military, that I struggle on trying to facilitate that on myself. You know, so for you, it was more or less like you wanted to be the person in charge so you can fix the things that needed to be fixed and didn't have to depend on anybody else. Yeah, I, I rather, I joke, even though I'm an event planner, I don't like to be in charge. I'd rather work as a team. So for me, it was more you know, when my team and I were working on something and we were really excited on achieving that next step, it it just, it was dumbfounded when it got shut down by one person at the top Mm -hmm. or somebody who wasn't interested in the success of the outcome, you know, shutting it down. So yeah, I think definitely even now with event planning, it's, 
the same. I still want to work as a team. Yeah. I do like the flow of my day being more fluid. I'm not good with a, at nine o'clock, we're going to do this at 10 o'clock. We're going to do that, mm-hmm. which is ironic for event day. I'm live by that. Yeah. But the day to day, I cannot, you know, I'd like, I'd rather do the free flowing non-corporate so, format. So then how do you manage, how do you do time management when you're doing <laughs> it like that? Like I, for, for myself, it's very hard for time What's management, that? but I can understand like, <laughs> Hey, I have these corporate meetings that are going to happen at this time. I can sure. work around that. I mean, I live and die by my Google calendar. Right. And thank goodness yeah. it reminds me because I, I really will get caught up in my head doing something else or caught up in a timeline or on a, on an interview with someone that's taking a little longer. Cause I'm chatty Kathy. And so it'll implode. So thank thank goodness for my calendar. But I I live and die by that. I just schedule everything as an appointment. Even the downtime I schedule and, you know, meet Christina for beers. (laughs) At Dry Dock. At Dry Dock. Not a sponsor, but should be. Um, (laughs) Speaking of which, how do I order one? (laughs) Um, So moving forward. So one of the reasons why I got out of entrepreneurship and owning my own business, Elevated Peacock Design, was because I there was a few reasons one because my mom passed away in 2019 and she was such a huge part of the business so it felt very wrong to try to move forward without her but also I found myself falling victim of the heartstring tugs of everybody when they come and they say I'm a nonprofit and I we don't have much money to put towards this but we want as I think you gave me this saying a long time ago a champagne wedding on a beer budget which is probably one of the most common event industry term like sentences I've ever heard but I found myself really just having these heartstrings tug and not being able to value my worth as an event designer and as an event planner no matter how good I thought I was I just couldn't put that dollar amount to it you on the other hand have been extremely successful at saying hey I appreciate what it is that you do and I get your mission I get it but this is my worth how hard is it to determine your worth and trying to explain that to a person who's trying to not pay you your worth. So I would argue if you have to explain it to them, they're not going to be your client. Touche. So, and I've learned the hard way, right? How many times have we worked for free or we thought, gosh, you know, I'll do them a favor because I really do believe in their cause. I'm excited to work with them. They seem like good people. And then you get ran over and exhausted and taken advantage of because I hate to say it, but most people that expect it for free also aren't grateful for it, no matter how much you give to them for free. So you think they're going to be the best referral. They're going to be your champion and like none of it in the end. And ironically enough, the clients that pay the most seem to appreciate you the most and also rave about you yeah, <laughs> to everyone absolutely. they know. So I think, yeah, it's one of those situations where I know what my time is worth to me. Would I rather be working on your event or at the pool with my kid? If, if it's worth leaving, you know, the pool early for, and telling my kid I got to work for a bit, then you're worth it to me as a client. And that also probably means I'm being compensated appropriately right. for my time. Yeah. So let's go to that though. How do you determine what's worth And This is going to be a very deep question as a fellow mother, because okay. you're a mom, I'm a mom, you've met my kiddo, I've met your kiddo. There's emotional deepness to that. How do you determine what the value is of an event or a client that potentially is going to take you away from your family? Because that is a big fear in young ladies who are going into the event industry. And I've been told by professors, you can't be a mom and be in the event industry. Megan just made the same face that Ew. I did at the exact same time. Just for the first time. Yes, I can. <laughs> I don't so, like, don't tell me no. 
<laughs> but that is, it, it is a challenge for mothers. Like, how do you determine the, the worth? How do you, how do you separate the motherhood between eventhood? Um, so, I mean, nine to five jobs, you dump your kid at school, you cruise down the highway, you go sit at your desk and you either miss picking your kid up from school. Someone else does it for you, or you go grab them for daycare afterwards because you're, you're working and like, that's totally acceptable. And yet all of a sudden, you know, we find that we get a lot of feedback when we're in this industry because I might work a Saturday versus a Monday, but it's the same hours or maybe a little longer, usually a little longer, um, that that's like robbing my kid of something. I just don't look at it that way. Um, I frankly, I feel like I'm home and available way more as an event planner and being self-employed, I would argue being self-employed. I think that's Um, a very big key because then you're not report, then you're not having to go to a corporate and be on their time. Because one of the challenges that I've seen in most corporations is that women and nothing against guys. I I love my, I love our allies. Allies are fantastic, but some guys, some women, have a very hard time in the corporate world because of the fact that they don't want to be judged because they have to go and pick up their kid at school. I think on a daily basis, when my kid is homesick or I have to leave work a little early to go pick him up, I internally feel feel bad. bad. Like I am letting my company down, even though I selected a manager, a boss, a director who is completely understanding of my schedule and my limitations, it still eats at me. So from your, from, for you, you're able to control your schedule a little bit more and have that flexibility. Are there times where you have to or make arrangements so you could be there for a client or is a client oh, just no, like, Hey, absolutely. No, I, so I definitely live and die again by that calendar. And it's one of those situations where they want to call. Cool. If it's going to be after I drop my kid off, and before I pick him up or, um, I try to schedule it like, Hey, you know, can we talk at seven 30? Um, after dinner and, you know, my kids zoned out watching whatever on Netflix and, um, I can jump on a call at that time. So it really, luckily for me, it's also fluid in the sense of my clients also work nine to fives for the most part. So for them, a lunch break or on their way home is best too. So I think it just naturally works out that way for me. Um, actual events, those dates are what they are. I just mark them on my calendar. Um, luckily, my kids, uh, dad and I get along really great. So I can put it on our mutual calendar and be like, Hey, sorry, I have an event this day. And I don't even have to work it out with him on that means he's keeping them longer. He knows. Yeah. Um, but we coordinate that stuff and it's not for me. I'm not doing events every weekend. It's not literally every weekend of my existence. So there's a flurry in the summer with weddings. There'll be a couple of hard hitting weeks in the fall, but I mean, otherwise you know, it's just planning yeah. and that time, you know, and what I find interesting is that when we, on the last episode, when we were talking to Lainey Hall, if listeners, if you have not listened to that episode, I strongly encourage you to listen to it. It has got some amazing talking points in there. We did talk about setting boundaries and turning off the phone at a certain time and having that work-life balance. Is that easier said than done when you're owning a, your own business? Because in a corporate world, that's, it, it might be a little bit easier because it's like, Hey, I can shut off my email. I can close my computer right. and I'm done. Right. And whatever emails are going to come tomorrow. How hard is it when you're owning your business and you have clients that are freaking out because their flowers are not right. And you've got mothers of the brides and fathers of the bride and uncles of the bride. Everybody's calling you basically to um, I'm terrible at it. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't come live, to me for advice. <laughs> no, um, I would almost argue my email and text is almost as compulsive as checking social media. 
which is probably a good and a bad thing. But like before I get out of bed every morning, I can guarantee you I've at least looked at my inbox, whether or not I've opened your email and chose to read it or not is a different totally story. Different story. <laughs> but I, I temperature gauge to decide like how quickly I have to kick into gear that morning. If I, you know, maybe it's an open day and I don't have scheduled appointments. It's like, maybe I will chill out for an hour and drink a cup of coffee and act like a normal human before, you know, getting sucked down the rabbit hole. Um, so I, I argue I'm terrible at it. I will look at it before bed. I will, um, I will, I will look at it in the middle of the night. If I get up to go to the restroom, I've learned also to probably stop doing that because if there is an event coming up that I'm already stressed about middle of the night, is a no go. I will, I will purposely ignore my phone, but it's always on silent. So if you're trying to call me, I hate to say it, you know, that's why I only, I only answer. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I really don't. I, I put it on silent text messages are on silent so that I can pick and choose when I want to receive that information because it's hard to draw boundaries for folks. And because we're all so accessible all the time, I do get 10, 10 at night, midnight text messages about votive candles. Like, cool girlfriend, I will get you those in the morning. Like, (laughs) you know, and I just let it lie. You know, I just turn all the notifications off and when I'm ready to deal with it, I'll deal with it. Yeah. Or when I want to ignore it, I'll ignore it. So how do you translate that to managing your team? Because you also have a team of event planners that work with you at MAG events. And we talked with Lainey about selecting your people and developing that team and the management styles. What, how do you translate that and the expectations to your team as a, as a leader and as a manager? We're, we're expanding. Uh, 2020 would have been our expansion year. And obviously we're regrouping from that, but, um, we're expanding. So this is something I'm actually learning now, uh, on, on actual staff more than just day of, and communicating what I know in a way that makes sense to them and doing it in a time frame that matters and is effective. I'm learning all that right now. Um, day of, I would argue, I, I send people this really grossly detailed outline that no one I'm pretty sure ever reads. And they never do. No, they really don't. No, and that's they okay. Don't. I just argue if I get hit by a car on the way to your wedding, right. someone could pick this up. The Anyone. event bi- the, the Bible, Anyone. the event Bible is a godsend yeah. in the event industry and something that if you don't have experience with and haven't Make done, one. you need to. <laughs> a little I binder. do it for me. I do it for me. I, I know I, I say I do it for everyone else. It's really for me. It's so as I put it to paper, it gets super written down inside my mind, right? And and while I may be rushing around that day and I might need to reference it, I very rarely do. Um, the only thing I usually pull off of that at that point is the order of who's walking down the aisle and vendor phone numbers if I need them. But I create this document. I usually send it to my team and that's my way of starting to communicate. Okay, here's what we're expecting that day and yeah. the flow and the order of the events. But really it's a quick download, usually a five minute overview when we all get there and uh, I, the people I've worked with, I've just worked with long enough. I think they know everything else. Like the, the yeah. expectations, the flow of the evening is pretty standard. Right. You know, if we have weird things, we mention it up front. So I, I'm learning the rest of it though. Time management with employees and, and scheduling and communicating better than you think you are. Maybe <laughs> that's a real one. Yeah. You're like, I think I thought I told you they're like, no, no. I think it's also to explaining it to them in a way that they understand it because to us, we might understand it, it because sense, it right. makes, because it's in our head right. and we can execute it, but trying to explain it, which is why I've always used event manuals and I've also used 3d, uh, set up layouts, layouts right. which mm-hmm. was a big thing for, for my company to be able to fully illustrate and right. show where everything's supposed to go. Because again, something happens on the ride there. You want to make sure that it can be executed. Right. So yeah. And when it's, you know, a grossly detailed event where you have just oodles and oodles of setup. Um, 
that's where I kind of live and die by that, right? And that way you can divide and conquer too. You give that to your team and you read this page, go fix that section. You know, I'm going to go over here and work on this one. Because even though we have it all in our head, like yeah. we can't do it all on event day. So you do have to communicate it outward. Right. I'm working on it. What is it? <laughs> <laughs> I think we all are working on it. I think that that's something that we constantly develop because every single person has a different way of hearing information. And as you're building a team, trying to select a team that can listen to you and interpret what it is that you say and can execute it is vital because you might have a great team member who is a hard worker, but if they cannot take direction or can't understand what it is, the information that you're putting at them, it's just, it's going to be a waste. No, absolutely. And then you end up doing double the work because you're either having to say it multiple times or go in and fix it. Yeah. So (laughs) for anybody who is trying to get into the event industry um, specifically with weddings and large scale events, because that's what you focus on primarily. Right. You're yep. a better woman than me. I will never do weddings. We, I did one and my <laughs> staff said never again. Oh, no. So it, it's very, it's very, it takes a very strong person to do weddings, I think, um, because there's a lot of personal factors that you have to work in there. So when you, so as a person, as a young lady who, or a young male, because we're not going to discriminate when it comes to the event industry, coming out of college and wants to get involved, what is the best way for them to try to get the foot in the door and put that degree that they've spent just thousands of dollars on to work? Which is so funny because my degree is in dance. So (laughs) (laughs) for, for the record, I have no degree in this field, (laughs) but I would argue it actually gave me everything I needed to get into this field. I ended up stage managing and that's what started me in event production. Which I feel like ties into like project management. uh, No, a hundred percent. I didn't know I was learning these skills, but I learned them very deeply in the back, you know, back corners of a dark theater. And, um, I got really offended when they pulled me off the stage and kept shoving me backstage. I took that personally. It's like, what is it my face? Like, what is it? Uh, but no, but so I would argue my college degree totally sent me into this field, but unknowingly. Um, but I have been approached by folks that, you know, are just starting out. I don't know how they Google or find me or stalk or whatever. It's kind of creepy and also intriguing. So can I tell you how I found you? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if I remember this. Please. Yeah. So, uh, Megan was, uh, selected as the new event coordinator or new event planner for the Parker Oktoberfest down in, in Parker, 18? Colorado. Yeah. Yeah. In 2018. And I caught wind. So four years I had to do the math. <laughs> Did you see me counting? So, uh, I was, I was doing a softball team and somebody had mentioned that Parker Oktoberfest got a new coordinator and I went on to your volunteer website and it had your business. Uh And so I reached out via that way. So three months later, you finally called me. I know. This is where the self-employed thing comes in. Yeah, this is where, (laughs) and I finally said, Hey, I have tons of experience in events and like smaller scale events, such as galas and private parties and fundraising and so forth. But I would love to get involved in festival because that is a whole other beast that when you get into that, it was a a whole other beast. That was my first time doing the festival. (laughs) And you finally contacted me and it just developed by there. So how would a normal, how would somebody that doesn't necessarily want to to wait three months to get a response? How would they, how's the best way for them to do it? Now I'll reply in two weeks, maybe if I want to. Um, How would somebody reach out to try to get their foot in the door and get that experience? So I would argue networking and the way I find a lot of networking events occur, at least here in in Colorado and in Denver are through associations. Um, you don't have to be a member to uh, go to 
uh, networking event that a lot of these really great organizations um, host here in Denver. I would argue I don't go to these networking events unless dragged by a friend because I am one of those, ironically enough, antisocial humans. I'm not antisocial, but I'm more of a, I like one-on-one and I find it very intimidating to walk up to a complete stranger and be like, hi, let's talk about something. But... I have been taken to these events by good, good friends, and I appreciate them because that's where you meet and mingle with people that definitely get what you do and have some really great insight. And then the next time around, you're like, you know, I really need someone that does excellent calligraphy or stationery or something. He's like, hang on a second. I met that person last night or last week. What the heck was their name? And then you go hit your friend up and they'd remind you. And then, you know, you friend them on or Facebook. You search, and you search through your like huge stack of business, business cards, cards that you yeah. get that night. But it's, it, and then you realize you're not alone. You're not crazy. People have gone through the same stuff as you yeah. or worse or more entertaining. And, you know, and you, you figure out pretty quickly, like it's a pretty tight knit group here in Denver. So if you don't know someone, they know someone. Um, so I'm terrible at it, but I, I like being dragged and then I'm try to drag other people with me and, and show them the way. So I, I would argue when someone comes to me and approaches me, the first thing I do is I add them to groups on Facebook that I'm in that are great for networking and referrals. Um, and then I try to drag them to, you know, networking events, usually with associations tied to them. Yeah. And I would also say that to our listeners, this isn't just for Denver, Colorado region, this is the method, this is some of the best practices and methods that can be used all over the states and also in Europe, everywhere. Everywhere that you go, I would strongly suggest that you apply these techniques to your way of life to try to get in, trying to get your foot in the door or try to advance your career. It's not just limited to just us. I would argue like the networking thing is critical. I I use vacation as an opportunity to network. Every time I go somewhere, I'm like, I'm at a great restaurant or I'm in a really beautiful place. And I think, gosh, wouldn't it be cool if I did an event here? So I start poking and prodding and I'm, and if I'm not talking to the owner, I try to see if the owner's around and just chat them up a little bit. And that's led to spaces in Mexico, spaces mm-hmm. in Belize, places in Hawaii that should I get the right client, I can turn around and go, Hey, Jeff, you know, we'd like to bring 14 people to Wait, your what place. was it? Susie, Susie, Su- Subu, Su- <laughs> Susie Doo. Susie Doo. Hey, Susie Doo. I have, you know, 14 people that want to do a corporate retreat and I'd really like to come to your, your space. And so I, I do better on the one-on-one networking spontaneously while traveling is yeah. where I really. Yeah, absolutely. It. And I think it, it allows you to be able to open your horizon. So if you are in, and that's a huge, that's a great point because if you travel, if you're able to travel and go make that networking portion, or if you can get in with an association that does have multiple chapters all over the United States or wherever you're at, because we do have listeners out in Germany, you know, that if you're planning on moving, it's really great to extend out to the new chapters mm-hmm. to get involved with that chapter association so that way you can have your foot in the door as soon as you walked in. Oh yeah, if I were to move if I were to leave Colorado, I'd 100% turn to an association and networking. Ever find yourself mindlessly browsing online? It's all fun and games until you see something you actually kind of want. To make sure you're not dreaming, you text your friend a link, "What do you think of this jacket?" you ask. By the time you hear back, you're on to other things. A product forgotten, a cart abandoned. Until now, Fivo is revolutionizing the way we shop. It's an e-commerce solution for brands to take back their consumers' engagement onto their own domain. Because you deserve that jacket. Fivo believes just as strongly in championing women in the workforce as it does revolutionizing the way we shop. That's why Fivo has partnered with the Denver Women's Sports Collective to provide resources, counsel, and strategic investment toward female professional growth. 
We at FIVA are proud to support the DWSC in 2021 and beyond. I so you're making a face I'm because so glad this is not video for the record because I'm just gonna sit here and describe <laughs> your facial expression sometimes as she oh sticks out her tongue at me so one of my favorite books that I've read uh was managing your personal branding I, I gotta it, it basically talks about branding yourself and I think cool. that for you I think for anybody that's starting to starting to own a business or getting into the industry has to kind of figure out what it is that they want to project to people. And I think that you do a fantastic job of that branding, not only in your marketing for mag events and for hippie gypsy, but also just your personal demeanor in the photos that I've seen you post for that you've gone out and done a style shoot or that you have done a photo shoot for your headshots and all that. How did you determine the the branding that you wanted associated with you in mag events? Um, that has been an evolution. And I imagine most people that own their own business would argue this is an ongoing thing, right? You're, you feel a certain way about your business and you have your certain ideal client today, but that may not be the same, um, you know, a year or two, 10 right. years down the road. Um, I would also argue it's great to learn what that means, personal branding. Like, what does that mean? So I used to just slap a bunch of cell phone photos on my social media and be like, look at the things that I do. And then, you know, I was really <laughs> excited about them and I like real time. Like, I'm like, Oh, it's happening right now. You know? And then I realized like, stop, you have hundred, well, really thousands and thousands of images by beautifully, you know, done professionals and they really, really, really showcase your work. So slow your roll. I know you're excited to tell people you've got like a hot air balloon happening right now. So that's great for a Facebook story or a live or whatever, but uh, wait for that epic photo and stockpile them. I actually have a folder on my phone of those images downloaded and I will just flick through and see what's, you know, striking the mood and I will put it out there. But I notice by doing that, I have a consistency in appearance and texture and color that just kind of portrays my business naturally, right. you know. And I think during some of our conversations in the past, you have mentioned uh, to me that your personal branding and the the image that you project through your work also can dictate the type of clients that you get so for my event design I was very uh, I was very inept in doing themed weddings or not themed weddings but themed parties or very large scale um, designs and that was something that I truly enjoyed doing but I was also finding that the images and what I was using was not bringing in the clients that I wanted. wanted. So it was, it was, goes back to the whole tug in the heartstring and getting lowballed on, you know, costs and stuff. So what are some, uh, some suggestions when it comes to selecting those images and putting it out there? So like I'm working with a, another industry partner right now, she's starting up her own floral business and um, she is working with cell phone photos right now and that's okay. Um, but what I explained to her is that her number one priority should be to start either doing some styled shoots to capture her work in, um, a professional manner, but also not in real time. Like events are hard sometimes cause they're busy and quick. Um, so to do styled shoots and get those images. And then also when she is doing events, go back and do the follow-up with that other professional, get those images. And as you slowly grow your work and your portfolio, you can flip those images to that more elevated quality. I think the trick is you want to advertise to the client you want, not necessarily the client you're currently working with, which can be hard. I live and die by styled shoots. I, one, like to play and I need to play and I'm tired of burlap sometimes or blush or whatever thing is running you over that year in trend. Um, 
And sometimes, and you can laugh. You can laugh. laugh. It's like God bless, you know, uh, rustic vibes. It's all, it's fine. Uh, But it's one of those things you just, you have to take the time and the effort to design the client you want or the brand that you want to be or the type of event you want to do. And I almost say fake it till you make it. Like, yeah, put it out there. And this is what I do until you actually do it. So for our listeners who don't, that are a little bit new to the event industry, a style shoot is a stage setup that is pretending to be an actual it's wedding. it's a snapshot. Right? It's a snapshot of a wedding. You, brought, you bring in friends or uh, models to be able to be the bride and groom or right. to be the party goers. And you design this snapshot photo of what it is to be an event to be an event now one of the things that I learned because through my time in the military and my event experience I had never really experienced that Mm -hmm. and you were gracious enough to explain that to me but the value behind that is being able to capture your branding can capture the full capacity of what you can do and what you're capable of it's also an opportunity to network with other vendors to try to get them to participate in it but What's really cool, and I've always taken this, is that when people look at Pinterest or they look at articles, those are those are style shoots. Those 100%. are not real. Usually they are not real weddings. They're style shoots. And there's websites that you can post those pictures to to get acknowledged in blogs, to get acknowledged in yeah, articles. To get published. And that was something to get published. Yeah. And that's something that you have done throughout your career. How right. did you feel like that advanced your brand and your company was that something that was very critical is setting up the style shoot no so I don't pay for advertising um 100 of my business is referral or people magically finding me on google I, I finally feel like I've been around long enough I have some kind of seo and you know I come up in searches but um it's all that vendor networking through styled shoots because I will argue you know you think about the person that was last in front of you Um, so if right now, if someone were to ask for a florist, I have a couple that I have just done photo shoots with this last year that they're on the top of my mind. And then I have my solid, solid folks that, you know, I go to every year. Um, but that's a perfect way to see what other people in your industry do, um, and see them in action and like test run them a little bit. Mm -hmm. Uh, but then you get these beautiful images of the work you really want to do. Right. Right. Um, and then you get to share that with people as if, it actually occurred as an event. Um, I have no issue telling people, yeah, this is a styled shoot. We dreamt this up. You know, wouldn't it be cool if we did a whole wedding that looked like this? Um, we did a where the wild things are theme. Oh, shoot. that is still by far um, one of my favorite. Uh, I still have the shoots. tails. If anybody needs a tail or a crown, I got one. Can you explain, <laughs> can you just really quickly like yeah. explain that, explain that style shoot? Because it yeah. is beautiful. And that has been featured 30 plus times yeah. um, published. Uh, and then, you know, it still gets picked up on occasion just because of its quirky theme. Um, but style shoots for me are a, a way to play and shake up or shake off the the trend you've been dealing with all summer. Um, and I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we took a something everyone knows and then like flip it into a wedding theme? And so I started thinking about children's stories and, and books and stuff and landed on where the wild things were. And basically I, I had a groom that was Max and the bride was the wild thing. And we dragged everybody up into the middle of the mountains Um and I made them all sleep in teepees. That was a, uh, I'm sure I'm notorious <laughs> for that because I wouldn't let anybody drive home that night because we did shoot into the, into the dark. So not even tents. But uh, you just let no, like a legit a teepee and it was cold. So there's probably vendors that would Oops. curse me for that. Um, but we, you know, we designed everything to this book. And so Max had a tail and he wore a crown. She crowned him a wild thing. And, um, 
we, you know, his bedroom turned into a forest. So we brought an air mattress and a four post Hopa and made it look like a four post bed in the middle of the woods with moss and plants growing all around it. And, um, we decided that, you know, he's supposed to sail off. And so we had a canoe (laughs) and the canoe sailed them away at the end. Um, we even had a wild rumpus at the end of the night and they danced around the fire and, um, you know, but that was getting to play on such a level. And, and that I think shows people that they can be authentic to their, their self and their wedding or their event does not have to be this cookie cutter thing. And that we're capable of doing that. And absolutely. It shows, it shows what you're wanting the, your, your clients to see. But I also would say, because I've done some style, a few style shoots, I didn't really do much with them just because I got super busy, but it was a, an amazing opportunity for students to come and shadow. Mm-hmm. It was a great it's a opportunity. Great it's a great learning time. Mm-hmm. So anytime that a student can tag, work, along, tag or... along to those, it is perfect. Right, And it doesn't have to be a 20 vendor deep off in the woods photo shoot either. Like that was for me, I joke, I, I broke my awesome box after that. Like it, <laughs> I've done some cool stuff after, but I, I don't know how I'll top that one, but that was like a pinnacle for me. I had done plenty of stuff before and after that isn't so extraordinary, but it's very much to my ideal client, um, to the style I think is beautiful right now or what's jumping out at me. Um, or I'm like, you know, I haven't seen this Yeah. every time I try to put this on Pinterest, I can't find it. So why don't I do it? It's unique. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's a huge part of the event, the event industry and trying to market yourself is stepping, trying to make sure that you can step into an area that maybe somebody is not accustomed to. So your niche. Yeah. I, I do it more for, this is what turns me on. This is what keeps me interested in what I'm doing every day. And so you know, cause you will burn out, right? You'll burn out doing the same birthday party or the same corporate event. So how do you keep yourself, ter- you know, turned on and into your industry so you don't burn out? I think right. that's, for me, that's where I play, right? And that way, when I do the same look for the third time this year, it's okay. And it's still pretty and I still appreciate it. And they're really, I take it as a compliment because they're mimicking what they saw me do previously and they like it so it's much they want me to do it. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. It's an honor. It has been an honor to have you, Megan, <laughs> on this podcast. You're welcome. <laughs> and we didn't have to bleep you out too many times, know, right? You were actually not. really good. Did I? Okay. Do we even need that disclosure? I mean, come on. I know. I feel like I really let you all down. I almost just dropped an <laughs> F-bomb, but I didn't. <laughs> all right. If you guys have loved last week, last the lap... The last episode and this episode, I strongly encourage you to tune in for the next episode when we have a round table with both Laney Hall and Megan. We will need the bleepers. We will need the bleepers. Uh, It will, uh, yeah, we'll behave. So if you have enjoyed this, please join us next time. Thanks, everyone. That wraps up this episode of Convos with the Collective. Thank you for joining us for today's convo. If you enjoyed this episode, take a screenshot and post it to your social media, tell your friends, and catch the show notes on our website at www.denverwsc.com. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to catch each week's episode and follow us on all social platforms at Denver Women's Sports Collective so you don't miss a single combo. This podcast includes various hosts from the Denver Women's Sports Collective and was produced and edited by Allie Monroy.